Welcome to the Christmas at Kenosha City Church podcast. What is the gift of hope? This message talks about how you can receive it into your life and let it transform you. Enjoy the message. Merry Christmas, Kenosha City Church. My name is Andy. For those of you that are brand new, I'm one of the pastors here. And we are so happy that you have made this a part of your Christmas Eve. And tonight, it is fitting because we are going to look at the greatest gift when God took on flesh fully God, fully man, to dwell among us, to give us the greatest gift, and that is reconciliation uh, to the Lord God Almighty, the gift of hope, uh, a gift that is for anybody and everybody that receives him through Jesus Christ. Uh, I loved Christmas Eve as a kid because I knew what was coming the next morning. Some of you have a tradition where you open up some presents, but I knew when I went to bed and I woke up that next morning that magically there would be presents underneath the tree. Now, for those of you that saw our pre-show this morning, you may have seen this picture, but that was me at like age six. It looks like uh, my seven-year-old, right, spinning image. I received a bike that morning. I was so excited. I'm like, yes, I, I, I finally got a bike. My brother, being from from Iowa, he got a little toy tractor, all right? So, uh, but I was pretty excited, and for those of you kids in here, I know that you're excited tomorrow as well, but you want to know the most memorable gift. The most memorable gift, in fact, look at this. I'm going I'm to show it to you right here. The most memorable gift I remember ever being received at Christmas is something that um, any Gen X, maybe some millennials, maybe even some boomers would absolutely love, uh, but yes, let's go ahead and open this. This was... Uh, the most memorable gift I can remember as a kid for Christmas, right here. How many of you remember the Nintendo Entertainment System, right? How many received one of these gifts for Christmas, right? And so some of you are smiling like, oh, yes, I remember those days. Oh, it was wonderful. Here's the kicker. This is a mint condition Nintendo Entertainment System, but it wasn't mine. It was given to my grandpa, all right? Talk about a misappropriation of gifts here, right? Like, the wrong person, right? But it was the first time that we ever saw the Nintendo and seeing Mario for the first time, seeing him from going from small Mario to big Mario through a mushroom. You got the fireball Mario. You got, to t- you got to take on the Koopas and, of course, save the princess. It was amazing. How many of you received one of these for Christmas growing up, right? Anybody, right? How many of you wanted one of these for Christmas growing up, right? Anyway, I'll put that right here. I have to tell you, though, I didn't receive that. It was my grandparents, right? I thought, like, I felt completely cheated, okay? Uh, but, um, Um, my grandpa made sure I had it before he passed. He's like, here, I'm finally giving this to you. So there it is. I received that uh, in the 2010s, even though it it came out in the the mid-1980s. And so for some of you, you're so excited with the presents that you're going to receive um, for for, for Christmas. But here's the deal. Um, I guarantee you, if I were to wrap that gift up and give it to anybody that was under the age of, let's just say, 10, they would be really, really disappointed tomorrow. They'd be like, what is this? What in the name of thrift store is this, right? And may it, be, may it remind us, um, it brought back some more memories for some of you seeing that Nintendo Entertainment System, but none of you are like, oh, that's cutting edge. Why? Because every gift you've ever received underneath the Christmas tree, uh, every gift that you'll ever receive, it diminishes in value the moment you open it up. It diminishes in value or diminishes in that newness feeling, right? In fact, they have a term for this. It's called the loss of value relevance called the velocity of obsolescence. 
It's basically the idea of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of it becoming obsolete, whether numerical value or value in your own heart. That whatever you receive, it begins to go backwards in value. You don't wrap up the same gift every year and get oohs and ahs, right? If you do that every year, they're going to call you cheap, okay? Uh, you don't do that. It's because every gift you receive will become tomorrow's eBay listing. Now, maybe you find yourself on the other end of the spectrum uh, tonight. It's not about all the gifts you're thinking about tomorrow. It's the gifts you wish you could give out. Maybe you're finding yourself uh, in a moment of need. And by the way, if that is you, will you let us know today, all right? We, that, that's, that's part of our benevolence, right? Let us know if you're struggling through this Christmas. But maybe you're on that end. I remember my dad telling me the story. He grew up on the farm in Iowa, and they had a particularly hard year uh, where the crops didn't come in. And my grandpa McGowan, he was pretty blunt. He was pretty black and white. And my dad opened up his two gifts. It was socks and underwear. He looked up in dismay to his dad. His dad goes, yeah, Santa's not coming this year, all right? And my dad told me the story of, like, just be thankful whatever you get that you're not getting just socks and underwear, all right? So maybe you're on that, spe- that side of the spectrum. You're, you're excited about all the presents, or maybe you're just longing that you wish that you could give out presents. And I want you to know this. In the expectation of tomorrow, of what we want and what we'll receive or what we don't get and we wish that we had, we got to remind ourselves it's not about that. It's not about what we can receive here on earth. It is about what we can receive that is forever that doesn't have a value that diminishes each Christmas, but actually, as you grow in him, becomes even more valuable. The greatest gift that we can receive this Christmas is Jesus Christ. And if you're a follower of Christ, the greatest thing you can do is grow into this gift. His name is Jesus. But the reality is, for many of us, we never unwrap this gift. You come to church on Christmas Eve, and and maybe you never totally unwrap what Jesus means. Or maybe for the follower of Christ, you wrap him back up and put him back back into the, the garage, per se. And Jesus warns us that we can miss it. We can miss the greatest gift. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus tells us this. Don't store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What are you treasuring this Christmas? Jesus is warning us here. He's saying there's something greater than the sum total of gifts that we can ever receive here on this earth, whether it's something that you can possess, whether it's something that is of of, of a relational value, whatever you can receive here on this earth, it pales in comparison to the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And through all the busyness and craziness and through the traditions and through the, the joy and through the pain, you can go through Christmas after Christmas and you can miss Christmas. So here is what I, uh, what I encourage us all today, is don't Christmas without Christ. Don't Christmas without Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out, for Caesar Augustus, from, went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own. 
Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The greatest gift is wrapped up in this Real historical story. Mary found herself to be with child. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've really taken a deep dive with this. We're told in the book of Matthew that Mary discovered that she was with child. She discovered. She was not planning on this. She didn't know how this happened. It was a total shock. She was only engaged, which meant she uh, was not yet married, but as a legal agreement, she lived apart from her fiancé. She had no intimate relationships with her fiancé. She was a virgin. And in her confusion, an angel of the Lord appeared to her to explain all what was happening. We see this in Matthew 121. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Both Mary and Joseph had a choice. Are they going to follow God in this unbelievable scenario? And so Mary and Joseph trusted the Lord that the Savior was indeed coming into the world and coming in through Mary. And through their obedience, they would take every ill-willed stare, every bit of confusion in culture, people not believing them what was happening, and they trusted God and followed him in obedience. Because their conviction in the Lord, their, their obeying the Lord, they understood was more important than pleasing people. So we see here Towards uh, the end of the pregnancy, they needed to participate in a census. Uh, We see here Caesar Augustus uh, has issued that everybody must take part in a census, which meant that Mary and Joseph had to travel back to uh, Joseph's homeland. They had to travel back to Bethlehem. They were from the line of David. This was 90 miles away from Nazareth. Now, they didn't just jump into their SUV with the baby on board sticker on the back of the SUV. Say, all right, let's go to Nazareth. Let's get this out of the way. No, they had to either walk or, in this case, more likely, ride a donkey. Imagine a 90-mile trip, right, in the cold, uh, damp weather, uh, going towards Bethlehem, very pregnant, right? For, For moms in the room, how many of you would want to ride a donkey for 90 miles? Very, very pregnant. But yet, to obey Caesar Augustus' decree, they had to. But did you know, often they say this is Caesar Augustus' decree. In God's sovereignty, he knew and he led Caesar Augustus to decree this. Why? Because this pushed Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem. There was a prophecy that said that the Savior was going to come from Bethlehem. He was going to be born in Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus said, you must register, which meant they went to the city of Bethlehem, which was called the city of David, because this is where King David uh, grew up. This is where King David tended the fields. And yet now they're going back to their homeland because they're from the lineage of David. And when upon their arrival, Mary's like, "Uh uh-oh, the water broke, all right? The water broke. And so they immediately looked for an inn, and there's no room in the inn, and so they had to resort to a very cold, dreary, damp field in what we call a manger, but a manger is just a nice way of calling it a trough. Mary had baby Jesus and placed him in a trough amongst the animals in a field in the city of David, in the fields of David where he tended the sheep, 
the Lamb of the Lord, who's going to take away the sins of the world, was humbly born. His name is Jesus. Humbly born to sit on the throne of David, to be a suffering servant, to be nailed on the cross, to defeat sin and raise from the dead. Yes, indeed, tonight when we sang joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king. It's not just a song that we're familiar with. We hear on the radio and we sing every Christmas. It's reality. Jesus is the greatest gift. He is the savior of the world. Jesus is what we all need And he's so easily missed in the busyness and the expectation of what we're going to do in this season. Don't Christmas without Christ. Now, the arrival of Jesus, it reminds us of our needed redemption in this weary world. It reminds us that this world is broken. Christmas is a mixed bag, isn't it? It brings joy. But every Christmas, we're reminded of the brokenness that's been in our life. And when we look at the manger, we can realize... Christ has come back to make all things new. I don't know what you bring heavy on your heart in this room tonight, but I want you to know the hope that is found in the manger means that you are not the sum total of all the brokenness and disappointments in life. Your sum total is found in Christ and hope that is hope indeed. But the arrival of Christ every Christmas reminds us that our life in this weary world is short. It's short. Your life is short. James chapter 4 verse 13 says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will do such and such in a town and spend a year there and trade to make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Every single day is a gift. But it's fleeting in nature. When we realize just how finite, how limited we are, how broken this world is, we begin to realize our heart is actually longing for redemption. Our heart is longing for purpose. Our heart is longing for reconciliation. I remember when I was in college, there was a friend of mine who lived a couple doors down that year, uh, his first year in Bible college. Uh, he met a girl, got engaged, and they got married. And I, I lost touch with him because I transferred to the Chicago area, went to Trinity just down the road in Deerfield. But this last summer, I began to see some social media posts by him. It started popping up on my feed. His wife, in her late 30s, had become very, very ill with a rare form of cancer. A rare form of cancer. And just a few weeks ago, she died. I can't imagine what Christmas is like in their home, except her husband and her new Jesus. This is what he wrote just a few days ago. He said, my wife lived 15,409 days. How would we have lived differently if we had a ticker counting down each day? What if we knew when we got married, this is when they got married, that she had only 8,174 days left? What would we have done differently? Or when our firstborn uh, came into the world and we knew that she only had 3,577 days left. Man, just hearing that, it hits home because every single one of us can think of somebody this Christmas we're not spending this Christmas with. This is my first Christmas without my mom. 
My mom died of cancer uh, in May. And we can remember that in the joy of the season, the only reason why it's joyful is because it gives us a message of hope that transcends the junk and the, and, the, and the heartache and the people that we miss. It transcends all of that in the name of Jesus Christ. And the passing of time, it reminds us that not one thing, not one possession, not one person or relationship on this earth will last forever. But what will at last forever is Almighty God. And what will last forever is we will spend somewhere in eternity. And the question is, do you know Almighty God personally? Have you been made right with him? He is our hope. But without hope, every click on a clock reminds us that this is it. And eventually there's an end coming. And this is the best that we got. But I want you to know what makes Christmas awesome. It's a reminder to us that this is not the best that we have. The best indeed is yet to come in the name of Jesus Christ in heaven that lasts forever. Where there's no more tears, there's no more suffering, and there's no more pain. How does that sound? So we can't Christmas without Christ. Christmas reminds us also that your life has purpose. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22. Now, all this took place, that means Jesus' birth, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they'll name him Manuel, which is translated, God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Jesus' arrival was preplanned in eternity past. Why? To rescue us who have wandering hearts. You were always a part of his plan. Jesus came to be our Emmanuel, which means God with us. God is not some distant God. He's a personal God. So much so, he came to live, to die, so that we could be made right with him again. Jesus, fully God and fully man, did what nobody, no religion, no government could ever do. Make one right with God. It's true that we live in a very perfectionist society. We live in a society where we never know if we're measuring up. We never know if what we do is, 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 is going to get us fired from our job, if, if we don't have a good job performance, or, or if someone in our family, we don't live up to their expectations, or, 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 or maybe we have our own personal expectations. Maybe you have a really bad boss in your head. It's called your inner self, and nothing is good enough. We live in a perfection society. We're reminded of this every day on social media where you can do better, you should have done better, be the best version of yourself, because you can never be the best version of yourself, but try it anyway. And I, want, I want you to know, it's tiring. It's tiring. And I want you to know that the answer to all of this isn't man-made religion, where you try to get good with God. God, I'm going to try to prove myself to you. I'm going to try to show how good I am to you. I'm going to tell you, you're going to tire out on that too. The Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one. And that is why Jesus Christ came, to do what we could not 
do. When the first human beings messed up, God's plan all along was Jesus. And through scripture, it was prophesied he would come to be the salvation for anyone and everyone who receives him. And Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before Christ, it said this, Isaiah 43, I, I am the Lord. Besides me, there is no savior. I alone declared, saved and proclaimed that not some foreign God among you. So you are my witnesses. This is the Lord's declaration. And I am God. Also from today on, I am he... I am he alone. No one can rescue but from me, from my power. Don't Christmas without Christ. Your life has purpose. He knew you before your mother's womb. We sinned. We are separated from Almighty God. He has a plan for your life. But our life without Christ is without hope, which means the last thing is this. All of our lives need Jesus. This is what Christmas reminds us. We all need Jesus. Christ. You know, often when speaking of the Christmas story, we stop at the birth of Jesus. That's what I love about some of the, the songs that we picked this year. It, it, it talks about the whole story of Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come just to be a cute baby uh, in a manger. Uh, and, and it's important for us to see that miracle of Jesus being in a manger and how he humbly came in. But the Christmas story goes beyond that. Jesus came to live, to die for the sins of the world. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Notice what John 3.16 says. It says that you must believe to receive the gift of forgiveness. For many of us, we know about the gift of Jesus, but we've never believed to receive. Have you received Jesus? Have you opened up that gift? Because here's the deal, your lineage cannot do it for you. You might say, oh, my grandma or my parents, uh, you know, they took me to church, I think I'm good enough. No, your lineage doesn't do it for you. Your church attendance doesn't do it for you. It does not necessarily matter what uh, church you go to, per se. Uh, what matters is this. Have you made Jesus Christ your Savior? Have you placed your faith and trust in him alone? That is the foundational question you have to ask yourself. If you have never personally placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you have not unwrapped the greatest gift you can have. Have you personally asked Jesus Christ to save you from your sins? Your life matters to God. You may think that your past or even your, your present disqualifies you from receiving the gift of Jesus by being forgiven. But listen, when Jesus Christ lived to die and he died on the cross, he forgave it all. He said, it is finished, which means the things that you think that there's no way that Christ can receive me. Oh, he's already done the work. Jesus is inviting you tonight to know him personally. And this is the reason he came. Jesus is the reason for the season, but his reason for coming was you. He didn't have to come. He could have been like, ah, oh, you messed up. You're separated from almighty God, whatever. But that's not how he was. In his mercy and love and kindness, he demonstrated his love that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Tonight, you may have heavy burdens. Maybe you came tonight because a friend invited you. Maybe you came tonight because you were made to, to because the family dinner's next. But make no mistake, no matter why you are here tonight, it's part of God's plan. He drew you here tonight. And he doesn't want your dead religion or you trying to work yourself to God. He wants your faith and trust in him alone. Because without Jesus, we stand separated from him. 
We are dead in our sin and heaven is out of grasp. But the hope of Christmas is this. The divide that we have between us and God is bridged through Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ alone. When Jesus died on the cross, God poured out his judgment and his wrath towards Jesus. Not because he had sinned, but because Jesus was representing us all. He was representing all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future in that moment. And in his sinless perfection, Christ was able to pay the bill. Think of this, your sin, my sin, all of our sin, past, present, future, all in that one instantaneous moment on the cross, Jesus forgave it all. He's a personal God who wants you to receive him. Jesus Christ died on the cross, but because he's a sinless, perfect sacrifice, he was able to pay the bill, which means death could not keep him. And three days later, he defeated sin and death by raising from the dead. And if you place your faith in Christ, you're forgiven. Gone is the shame. Gone is the hopelessness. And enters in a hope that can be unshaken. A hope knowing that this world isn't all you got. It's a waiting place for glory. So what do you have to do to receive this? It's very simple. Even a child can understand this. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified. And with your mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. I want to take a moment for you to make certain that you are right with God. Some of you are like, I, I know I'm right with God. Great, this is a moment for you to worship. It's a moment for you also to pray because there are people in this room each and every week and especially tonight where you don't know God. You don't know Jesus. You've never placed your faith and trust in him alone. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus has done it all to where all you have to do is receive. Tonight, I believe God has drawn you here so that you can receive forgiveness forever. Have you made Christ your savior? Tonight you can know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is your Savior and that you can be forgiven past, present, and future. No one is disqualified from receiving the mercy and love of Christ because Jesus paid it all. Just receive. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for humbling yourself, being born in a manger, in a trough, to serve humanity that was so far away from you, to bridge the divide, to live to die so that we can be made right. So God, I thank you so much that you know us, that you're not a distant God, that you're not just acquainted with us. You know everything about us. God, I pray that in your presence that there will be healing in this room tonight. God, I pray for those who are, they're down, that they would realize there is hope in you. So we call upon you tonight, God. We know that when we are weak, in you we are strong. As we continue to pray tonight, for many this is going to be a very special night. Tonight you're going to give your life over to Christ. He doesn't want your religion. He wants to know you personally. For many of you, 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 you wonder where you stand with God. But tonight you can know that you have a real relationship with him. So as we pray together, let's recognize that there's something drawing you to God tonight. 
You don't know what that is, but it's the Spirit of God drawing you to Jesus to know him. So say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Place your faith and trust in him alone that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins in full. That for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. By faith tonight, you're placing your trust in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. You're saying yes to Jesus. You're trusting that he rose from the dead and you want to follow him. Tonight, if you're uncertain that you have a relationship with Jesus or you know you don't, just say yes to Jesus right now. Pray to him. Tell Jesus right now, I need you. I need your grace. I'm placing my faith and trust in you alone. With every head's bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, if that's you, if tonight you're like, I want to actually receive Jesus tonight, I'm receiving him. I'm placing my faith and trust in him alone for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. I want to follow him now. I want to receive him now. With no one looking around, if that's you on the count of three, raise that hand up high if that's you tonight. If tonight you're placing your faith and trust in him alone, the count of three, one, two, three, raise that hand up high and say, yeah, it's me. I see you, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Awesome. Awesome. There's hands up all over this room. If you are placing your faith and trust in Jesus, let me help you connect with God right now. I'm gonna help you pray to Jesus. This isn't a magical prayer. I'm just helping you connect with Jesus because some of you, this is the first time you've ever prayed. And I want you to express to him that you're placing your faith and trust in him alone. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I realize I've done wrong in my life and I want to be made right with you. Thank you that you came to this earth to live, to die. I place my full faith and trust in you alone that you died on the cross to save me from my sins that you rose from the dead. Now help me follow you. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.